Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who was charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we continued our coverage of the defense cross-examination of Ms. Kanarak as the witness offered testimony about her social media posts regarding the defendant and his girlfriend and assistant trainer, Mary Haskins Gray. On today's installment, we begin with a sidebar argument about the evidentiary basis for a line of defense questioning and then continue our look at the testimony of Lauren Kanarak. That's all coming up right after the break. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. At the end of our last episode, defense attorney Edward Belinkus was asking questions of alleged victim Lauren Kanarak about the legality of recordings that Kanarak made of the defendant. We begin today with the jury having been removed from the courtroom and Judge Stephen Taylor explaining to Belinkus that the way that he is framing his questions is not allowed by the rules of evidence. Now, when is it illegal? Is it not illegal? Was there an att- attorney involved? I mean, there's no question whether or not it's legal or illegal. You can that's not, not an issue. It is an issue, Judge. Why? It, does it does it matter to Mr. Barrison when he heard it whether it was illegal or not illegal? No. Well, it, 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 it's it learned. No, that's just disparaging. You're attacking the vic- the, the, the the alleged victim here. Judge, I'm not because I have text messages where she uses these recordings to plan on suing him. She gives the recordings to her father. But that's not, a, but that's not an issue. Judge, I, I understand. Mr. Belinkus, I understand why you're raising the issue. You're focused now on was it illegal or not illegal, right? And, and the whole purpose of this is as it impacted Mr. Barrison, yes? Well, to, to a certain extent, Judge. Because well, what's the other extent? What she's doing, it's a lie she made to the police and the prosecutor. She says, I put the recorder in my helmet in my private locker. That's what she just said. I, well, she I, never even said that. Yes, she did. She has not said that yet. Well, that's what she's going to say. She said it depends on where she put it. I have text messages where she talks to her father and Goodwin about putting recorders in the residence, the barn, the clubhouse, by the dumpster, by the rock. That's a lie that she made to the police regarding this case. And what's What's the lie she made? The lie she told the police, I have recordings that I made that were in my, my helmet in the locker. You know, there's no expectation of privacy. She made tons of other recordings in other places. For instance, in his office, Judge, in the clubhouse, and then takes those conversations, takes the exact words, and starts taunting him with them. You're going down this road no, and bringing all I'm this in? Saying, Judge, this is the evidence I have. So when the prosecutor says, oh, I don't know where these were made, the text messages indicate that they were made I know, in the but, office. I know, but you asked, the, the lead into all this was, did she lie to the Washington Township Police Department, right? 
Right. So why don't you focus on that? You know, you got hung up on this illegal thing. You, but what? Just hear me out. You, you got hung up on the illegal thing. That determination's not being made here. And, and, and we're going down the road. And, and quite frankly, whatever point you're trying to make is going to get lost in the morass of whether it's illegal or not. The, the issue is, did she make recordings? And then use them and post them. And did that affect Mr. Barrison? And that's, that's what I said initially, regardless of whether it's illegal or not illegal, there are recordings of Barrison, apparently, that were posted. My belief, judges, and, the re the only, and I'm putting this on the record, whatever you rule, obviously, I abide by. I'm putting this on the record because, basically, it's clear from the discovery given by the prosecutor that they know she's committed a crime, illegally recording Barrison in private conversation. They've not charged her. I've asked them, have you discussed charging? You can you can ask her those questions, but, but not her opinion on whether it's illegal or not. That's not her decision to make. Okay, so it's like, for instance, if, if, if I shoot somebody and the prosecutor doesn't charge me, everyone knows you can take judicial notice, Judge, that illegally tape recording someone in a private setting without their consent is illegal. I know, but if she says an attorney told me it was okay to do it, which is part of her testimony, then she wouldn't be prosecuted. Okay. She'd, re she'd rely on legal advice, whether it was right or wrong. And if she relied on it, then she's not going to be prosecuted. And, and do, you do we really want to go down that road in this case? No, Judge, but I have to tape with Edward David where he questions the legality. He didn't tell her it's legal. That's the one person. She says she's not sure if the other person is her father. And, and I was cut off with with regards to trying to... Uh, no, because you kept asking the same thing and she kept re repeating the same answer twice. You didn't like the answer, so you were going to ask it again. She said twice it was either this attorney, David, or my father, who's a retired attorney. Then you asked it again, she said the same thing. I'm just saying for the record, Judge, I have a tape where it's clear that Ed Davis, the first day she ever met him, and they even talk about this, he had no idea she was taping him. She tells the attorney that I placed them in my locker and, and they're, they're, there's no expectation of privacy. And the boyfriend is heard crystal clear on the tape laughing, ha, ha, ha. Well, maybe not all of them. I know, but th this, is, this is so far from the issues here, Mr. Belenkis. It's I'm, I'm excluding it under 403. It's just going to lead to confusion okay. and a waste of time on, on a exceedingly tangential issue here. You can ask her about what she told Washington PD about the recording, whether she ever put recording devices elsewhere. That's fine. All right. But but going off on this, is it legal? Is it illegal? And you spoke to an attorney. What advice did she get? That's <clears throat> that's just way too far afield. And it's it's just it's going to lead to confusion on the part of the jury and a waste of the court's time, quite frankly. I'm going to exclude it on that ground. But you can certainly ask her and pursue the point, excuse me, about whether or not what she told to Washington whether it was accurate, whether there were other recording devices, and, and things of that nature. Okay. And that's relied upon by, um, I think, the experts as, as part of the insanity defense here. Okay. So it's relevant in that regard, but just stay away from whether it's illegal or not illegal. If you, if you want to ask her, does she have any fear of prosecution, or did, was it ever discussed with the prosecutor about her not being prosecuted? Sure. I suppose that may show some interest or bias, so that's fine. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. After a brief recess, the jury returns to the courtroom and Judge Taylor invites the alleged victim, Lauren Canerac, to return to the witness stand. Oh, you may have a seat, ma'am. Thank you, Judge. I will resume cross-examination by Mr. Belinkus. Thank you. Go ahead, sir. Mr. Canerac, uh, I'd like to talk to you about these tape recordings. On August 3rd, Michael Barrison calls 911 and the police arrive, correct? Well, I'm assuming yes. And after they talk to him, they come and talk to you, correct? Probably. They didn't always, but I'm assuming. At some point, they talk to you, correct? Yeah, at some point, the police talked to us. And on that day, you told the Washington Township Police Department that you were secretly recording private conversations, correct? Correct. Did they ask you any questions as to how you were doing this? I don't recall. I just remember something about just make sure it's something that you own because oh, make sure it's not attached to a phone or in a living residence, because that could be considered wiretapping. And I said, no, they're not there. It's some place that is, would be considered my property, and it's not attached to a phone or a living quarter or anything like that. So they said, it, okay. It's your testimony that the Washington Township Police Department is discussing the legality of what you need to do to take a recording? No, it's my testimony that they were offering insight into what to be careful about. It, that's an action you're going to take. They're saying just make sure that whatever you do, you don't do these things because they're definitely illegal. Definitely, so, you were told they were definitely illegal. Or they're definitely. Judge, definitely, I'm going to object. We we just talked about this at the break. This is what was told to her, Judge. Fine. By the police, if you frame it, if you frame the question that way about what the police said, it's fine. But not not anything further than that. Right. So the police told you you, you can't. Record in someone's private areas, correct? In someone's like private home, or like you can't bug a phone. So we follow those instructions. Did they ask you specific questions on how and where you were doing your recordings? No, but I was sort of like telling them because I wanted them. I wanted them to know. I don't remember how far into it I went, but I I wanted to be sure. Like, like I said a moment ago, that I wanted to make sure everything we were doing was legal and we were going about it the right way. Okay, and at any point in time since this incident, has the Morris County prosecutor or any representative ever questioned you about where you put these recordings and what the circumstances were behind them? I believe so. Who? Who, who, what? Who did you talk about these recordings about in the prosecutor's office? I know it was in their office, I'm sure, just, I, I just, I'm not sure what the title is. Christopher Shelhorn. Did you tell? I don't whoever else in their office. Did you tell it was Christopher? Brought up. I didn't go further. Did that. you tell Christopher Shellhorn where you planted all the recordings that you made regarding this case? I don't believe I specifically discussed where they were. We didn't really want to like get into that. We we're discussing more the fact that I was almost murdered than where was some recording on in you know where it was placed. Okay. Well, isn't it a fact that you did record <laughs> conversations? in a private residence. No, that is not a fact. Did you record conversations in the clubhouse? No. Did you record conversations in 
either the residence where, where Michael Barrison lived or the stable area where he lived a week or so before the shooting. I'm sorry, no, he never lived in the stable area ever. He lived in the clubhouse, which there was no recordings there. But yeah, uh, your second, the second portion of your, um, I guess, questioning is not accurate. So if maybe you could ask it again. Michael Barrison never lived in the stables. Well, he lived in the club area, correct? Which is separate from the stables, correct. to be clear. And it's your sworn testimony mm -hmm. that you never recorded any conversations in the club area. That's correct, unless it was recorded on our person and it's one of us speaking and we were in the club area, which we were not during that time. So I would have to say, yes, it's correct that there was no conversations in the club area recorded. Great. I've been provided over 70 recordings. Okay. Where were those recordings made? My locker. Every single one? No, not every single one. Some were in our own house. Some were in, I don't know. I don't know where else they were there. I mean, know where they weren't. I can tell you that. I know where they were not. I know that they were in my locker when we were recording like an open space where anybody could be at any time. Well, again, when you say an open space, is it your testimony that you secreted a recording in an area where you or Robert Goodwin were not present? Well, we were present because we had horses stabled there. So when you say present, I mean present during the actual conversation. But yes, if you're asking if there's conversations that happened while we are not in the actual stable area, yes, there were conversations that happened during that time. Correct. Okay, and you've indicated that you didn't do that in the club area, correct? Yes. How about Michael Barrison's private office? Did you or Robert Goodwin ever put a recorder in Michael Barrison's private office and record private conversations? No, his office is in the clubhouse, in the club area. And it's that's a separate just said. room, correct? Sorry, say, say it again. His office is a separate room from the club area, correct? His, his office is literally inside the club area. There's a door, but it's in the club area. And again, since that was also their living area, no, we did not go ever in the living area and record anything. It was in my locker or in the area we were living at the house. So again, the answer to your question, it would be no. I'm sorry, but I'm maybe being confusing. Okay, so again, in a roundabout way, you answered my question. I'm just gonna ask you specifically, mm -hmm. irrespective of how the room is positioned, did you ever secretly record private conversations in Michael Barrison's office? No. Ms. Penrick? Yes? Who got this recorder? Um, my boyfriend ended up buying it. Rob Goodwin, correct? Yes. And uh, when did he get that recorder? It was ordered on the morning of August 31st at around 8.07 a.m. from Amazon. August 31st? I mean, sorry, July 31st. July 31st. And arrived next day? I believe arrived the next day, correct. And so Overnight. is it your recollection that over 70 recordings were made from that point on to the time of the shooting? There are two devices, I believe. I could be wrong. Um, I don't know how many recordings there are, but there could be 100. Still, the fact remains, this is where they were, and this is where they were not. They were in my locker. They were in the house that we were living in. We were talking to ourselves. We have that on board. Where they were not was in anybody else's living quarters, including the club room or any other living residents 
in the farm whatsoever, unless that living residence belonged to a horse, which didn't. It was in my locker, end of. Now, you just mentioned that there are two devices. Correct. <clears throat> I, I believe so. I wasn't in charge of them. Okay. But Who was in charge of them? My boyfriend was in charge of them, but we okay, both they, knew where they were. Okay. And you were the one instructing him where to put the device, correct? We would discuss it together. It was, it was no, like, I'm instructing him or he's instructing me. We had a specific reason for them, be, for my wanting them to be in my locker, a very specific reason. Oh. I guess he had a reason, too, but nevertheless, like I said, that's, that's where they were put, a locker which I was paying for. Did you turn over both of those recordings to the prosecuting office? We turned over everything. I was again, I was shot and dying. The police collected what they collected. I was in a hospital for three weeks in a coma for four days. I don't know what happened during those time during that time, but certainly I had no knowledge of what the police were doing or any other office was doing. But I do know that we turned over everything that we had because it was taken upon search and seizure of the crime scene that unfortunately your client committed. Okay, now, with, with regards to these tape recordings, mm -hmm. when you recorded something, did you bring it back to your house and listen to what was on the tape? Sometimes. How did you listen to those recordings at your house? What device did you remember. use? A computer, I think. I think you just put it in the computer and it plays. And you could also delete things off that with the recorder, correct? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure you could do it anyway. You could, anybody could delete something, but our goal wasn't to delete things. It was to get the information we were trying to get, which was, we thought, vital to our life and ended up exactly coming to fruition several a few days, just a few days later. In almost the exact way, I would say, it was heard on those audios. So, let you have a moment, Judge. Did you ever put a recording on the porch? I'm not sure which porch you're referring the to. The porch of the front of the stables. No, porch, no. Like I said, and I just, I don't mean to like sound like I'm being rude or repeating myself or you're anything not, like that. You're not, don't worry about I just want to let you know, the only place that the recorders were ever placed in that barn area at all was in my paid-for locker. That's it. Otherwise, it was on our person or in the apartment that we were living. And that's it. On our next installment, we will continue our look at Edward Belinkus's questioning of Lauren Kanarak about recordings she made of the defendant. But for now, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison.